What the f you think is my opinion of it? I think it was put that in. I don't. So the tribe drops its third straight on this trip, six to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Talk about the past, talk about the history, and talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I would know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going into the high baseball sport that has gone into baseball and from the baseball angle. I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember. It's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And is he sucks. Well, he is where he's out. Yes, Brad is out. Look at, look at this. Brad is out. And uh, David Mack. I'm not here to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. It's going to run cleaner than any baseball business sell the team oh yeah welcome back passball show mtr radio networks is john pielli getting ready for a solid hour two of the radio program uh, i do want to touch in on my uh, 30 to 1 mlb countdown previews uh we're in probably the top five right now i just did the blue jays yesterday i'm going to get into number four which is going to be the los angeles dodgers if you want a quick uh hint of what uh three two one is i'm going to go in this order we got Three, three uh, Reds, two Angels, one Tigers. So, I mean, that that is pretty much baseball prospectus type, uh, rating the best teams. But uh, when it comes down to my list of 30 to 1, uh, there's certainly a lot taking the baseball prospectus road to things. And I'm not going the way Sports Illustrated or ESPN or everybody, all the experts are saying that this is the way it has to be because it never turned out. I've said it on this show. I've said it on Wire for Sports. I've said it on uh, Philly Baseball Beat. I've said it in every every possible way, shape, or form. I've said it on Open Mic with Michael Cohen. It, it never turns out that way. So everybody that wants to get all friggin' hell-bent over prediction fit the format of what everybody else picks, they're always wrong. Baseball prospectus is not 100% right. Uh, they, they didn't have the Oakland Athletics. And I'll say this for the billionth time. They didn't have the Baltimore Orioles making the playoffs last year. They didn't have the Diamondbacks the year before. They didn't have the Padres coming within a game of making the playoffs in 2010 when they lost to the Giants who ended up winning the World Series. They didn't. And does that mean that they're wrong? Does that mean that they don't know what they're talking about? Well, listen, they, they go the other way, and all of a sudden they start uh, you know sucking the tea to these teams. And now, now on the Oakland Athletics bandwagon. That they're going to be dominant. They're going to be the greatest team in American League history. That they're the team to beat in the AL West. It doesn't work out that way. And whatever happens this year, whether it's a sleeper team that goes out there, whether it's the Royals, whether it's the Padres, whether it's the Indians, whether it's whatever team that you can't imagine is going to have a chance to compete and does very well and exceeds expectations, whatever team that is, Everybody's going to be on their balls next year. Everybody's going to be on top of them next year saying that they're going to be the team to beat. And the bottom line is how to turn out. You don't. And that's been a problem. That's going to continue to be a problem. But that's what makes the offseason great. That's what makes everything that's going on right now great. And, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, things don't end up always turning out that way. I, I just ha I have an issue with it. I really do. And I just don't see why people get on somebody who makes a, a an opinion that's different. If I say the San Diego Padres are going to finish 500, what if they do? Am I some kind of genius? No, I'm not going to go out of the way and say that, hey, I need No. But there are reasons to believe in teams that aren't part of the cream. You know, a lot of people say, hey, I don't believe in the Toronto Blue Jays and what they have done. And, and right or wrong... You, you may or may not have a reason to believe that way. But listen, I'm going to take it back, and uh, listen, we'll be right back after this.
Saber Metrics. Created by computer geeks that think they're better than you. Saber Metrics. All these numbers make them seem smart and you stupid. Saber Metrics. I know more than you. Saber Metrics. Seldomly makes baseball points that cannot be proven using conventional stats. Welcome back, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Apologize for the little technical issues there. I played a little uh, funnies there, which I'm going to start doing whenever I have some kind of issues within the show. We're going to play some uh, some movie clips and stuff like that just to kind of uh, loosen things up a little bit. And unfortunately, I ran into a little spot there where I had to fix the recording. But, uh, hey, listen, it happened. So. But, listen, uh, I'm going to finish up my point about you know my, my countdown, why I kind of go maybe under the radar or go a little silly in some of my predictions, I'm not, I'm not going out there saying that the Seattle Mariners are going to win a World Series. I think the Seattle Mariners are going to be better than what a lot of people think. I'm not going to go out there and say the Oakland Athletics are going to lose 100 games, but I don't think they're going to be as good as people say they're going to be. And the problem is that everybody gets so hooked up and so tied up on predictions that happened in the years past. And you know, just because last year, the, the last year's standings have to be an exact carbon copy of what happens this year. And I just absolutely don't agree with it. So that's really where I'm getting at. And listen, if your opinion's different than mine, I don't, I don't care. But I'm just telling you that my opinions are not what baseball prospectus says. Not 100% what they, what they say. And listen, I, I got facts to, to back up why I feel the way I do. But moving on, uh, something that kind of caught my eye the other day, and this is an article in the New York Post with uh, involving Lenny Dykstra, obviously former Mets and Phillies outfielder, 86 Met on a 1993 team with the Phillies that ended up going to the World Series. I, and obviously the Post kind of, you know, really kind of went to town on him. And, and listen, I've been very critical over the New York Post. And, you know, I've been nice enough to have Mike Vaccaro on my show and a couple other people involved in the New York Post. And I, I got to be honest, it's not my favorite paper. I don't really agree with a lot of the things they say. But I, I did find this story very interesting, and I'll give them props for saying that there. I mean, they pretty much went out and kind of went after Lenny Dykstra for the kind of person that he he was. And the bottom line is he is portrayed to be a very bad man and a guy that you know, had, a, had a good major league career up until it, it ended a little prematurely in the mid-'90s. And he ends up going out there saying, you know, once his career was over, that he was ready for his second career which was going to be a businessman. He was going to, you know, I think it was involved with a car wash or something, a stock market and stuff like that. He was ready for his next success. And the Post portrays him to be a very bad man. He goes out there and he actually has an open letter that he writes to the, uh, the, New York, the city of New York. And I, I'm going to read this word for word and, you know, hopefully I get to exult it in the same way that he did. But this is in response to a story that the, the uh, New York Post wrote a couple days ago where it essentially made Dykstra out to be this bad man. And a couple things that were, were involved is uh, obviously his 13-count indictment where he's going to be uh, serving time in jail for bank for, uh, for some, some fraud violations and stuff like that. Um, a woman uh, that, uh, that was interviewed as his, as his maid accused Dykstra of stripping naked and ask, asking for oral sex. And just uh, the kind of way that he treated people was all kind of brought out in this story written by the New York Post. And here's Dykstra's response to it. He says, I addressed the people of the great city of New York. You need to buckle your seatbelts because what you're about to read could not be made up. 
what I have somehow lived through the past two and a half years and continue to live through now makes me fully understand that God would never make someone endure what I have endured unless there was a reason for it. That being said, I was wrong when I thought God put me on this earth to entertain the people of Shea Stadium. Remember, I was pretty good at that. However, I've come to realize that God put me on this earth to help people, to be a factor. And that, my friends, is what I intend to do because at the end of the day, it's all about results. The kind of results I will bring to the party will be unlike any seen before. Talk is cheap. I am about walking the talk. You need to know that the, na that, that the shock factor and the disbelief of what these people did to me has worn off. What I am forced to endure with the FBI and the U.S. attorney sets the stage for me to tell my side of the story so that all of America will finally hear the truth surrounding my particular set of circumstances over the past two years. That is exactly the platform needed for me to get my story out, to get the real truth out. Bottom line, when all the evidence is brought forward, the jury will be told by the judge to make an example out of these corrupt people so that this does not continue to happen to other Americans. And in big letters, the truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. To begin with, I had $100 million in assets when I filed my Chapter 11. It is also important for you to know that I did not get stupid overnight. I didn't make bad investments. Every company that I have ever created or owned was and still is a winning company. And I sure as hell was not going to get on my knees, put my hands behind my head, and let this corrupt group of people macronating as attorneys execute me as that is what bankruptcy is all about. Just because they do this to everyone else does not mean I was going to let them do this to me. The corrupt world of bankruptcy is best described as the death chamber. The so-called grand theft auto was never, never even brought. The case was dismissed. The theft was committed by them as they stole a car I was leasing from Ford. Heck, it was only a Ford Flex. Are they allowed to steal steal it when they bought brought no charges? Are they allowed to shuffle shuttle me I'm sorry, shuffle me from jail to jail in what was left on my street clothes that they made me wear for seven days without even being permitted to take a shower? Are they allowed to then lock me up in a cell at three different courthouses on three different days and not even let me see a judge? Are they allowed to physically and mentally assault me and tie me up like I was some kind of animal because they thought I was they thought it was funny? Are they allowed to torture me to a point where two nurses happened to be walking by and saw me, came to my rescue, took my blood pressure and registered it at 180 over 120? I told them. If you're trying to kill me, then you better put a bullet in my head because I am not backing down. Torture me all you want, stronger than you will ever know. So they kept going, almost like the movies, except this was real living nightmare. Over the next two years, they've basically stolen everything from me. My family, my kids, my homes, my cars, my businesses, my reputation, my money, my life. But what they can never steal is my heart and my fight. And at the end of the day, I will win, and I will win big, quote-unquote. That was Lenny Dykstra essentially uh, talking about his, his, uh, his charges, which was, you know, a couple of years ago. And it turns out he ends up losing that case. He ends up going and, uh, you know, being found guilty. And, you know, unfortunately, he's serving time in jail right now. But now you look at things right now going on March 25th, Monday, and a story is put in the New York Post about Lenny Dykstra and about and taken by some other people, one of his uh, financial journalists, and uh, a book that's been released now called uh, Nailed, The Improbable Rise and Spectacular Fall of Lenny Dykstra, mentions a lot of things that people will find obviously interesting obviously interesting for the new york post 
The New York Post loved to talk about this stuff. And it talks about a couple things. One, that Dykstra liked to leave a large amount of feces in the toilet so he, so he could hear the shrieks of the hotel's grossed-out mates. He once took a female executive in a meeting or told her that he had impregnated three women in the same night and made them all get abortions. Uh, in addition to this book, he refer, referred to Tiger Woods and Derek Jeter as darkies and a legendary Willie Mays with whom he had a long business relationship as a field, you know, you, you say the next word, as field N-word. By the end of 2009, the Wall Street Journal reported that Dykstra's mansion was littered throughout with empty beer bottles, trash, and dog feces, and urine, among other unmentionables. And Dykstra was removed from the home and barred from the exclusive gated community. Uh, it also talks about how he would place ads for a personal assistant on Craigslist with a false name, and then he would cajole the uh, applicants into giving him massages while he was nude and basically asking for oral sex. And, uh, you know, all these things are brought up in this book. And, you know, obviously Dykstra, you know, at some point will uh, address these things. But it, it unfortunately makes Lenny Dykstra not only to be, uh, you know, kind of not a bad person, but it kind of brings it up to a different level. And obviously gets in the book, will get into the stuff involved with his investments, his bad investments, and what ends up letting, leading to him serving time in prison. But, uh, you know, it's something that, that does have to be looked at. I don't think anybody ever really gets the impression that Lenny Dykstra was, let's say, a nice guy. I don't think, I, I don't think anybody's going to go out, uh, you know, on a limb and say that he was, you know, you know, he was maybe as bad as he's portrayed here. But I, I think from what you're hearing, and unfortunately it's only one side of the story, and Lenny Dykstra, who had some great moments with the Mets and, of course, with the Phillies in 1993, is – portrayed as really uh, uh, this this evil human being and uh you know it's curious to say and obviously he is currently serving time for uh for for some charges that he had uh you know recently he's going to be in jail for a little bit of while but unfortunately you know there's there's things there's things uh involved in that and talking about the way dykstra said that he was going to fight this thing he he ends up pleading guilty to uh you know he, he to to grand theft auto so he he ends he ends up kind of contradicting himself i mean how does he end up going and pleading guilty to that uh you know some 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 things that need to be looked at and unfortunately lenny dykstra at this point and he doesn't really he's not really in a position to defend himself because he's currently in jail but you know an unfortunate situation where you know he is kind of painted as being a bad guy but once again john pialli passball show mtr radio network uh we're going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to get back into a ton of things going on. I want to finish up my MLB previews, a couple things going on in my blog, and then I'll eventually uh, play my, uh, my, uh, my interview with Tim Durkis from MLB Trade Rumors. So I'll be back with a lot more after this. Boots. We host the morning show together, and every morning we start up our cars and make the drive up to the studio. And, you know, we always see one or two accidents along the way. We wanted to make sure our listeners know where to go for the best in car care in South Jersey. That's right, James. Red Rose Body Shop. That's Red Rose Body Shop specializes in collision and framework. They're the best in South Jersey for paint and body work, unibody framework, free towing, and free estimates. So call today, 609-927-9454, and check out their website, www.redroseautobody.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Red Rose Body Shop, 2033 Ocean Heights Avenue, Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey, 609-927-9454. Red Rose Body Shop is South Jersey's collision specialist. 609-927-9454 or redrosebodyshop.com. Been in an accident? Take your car to the professionals at Red Rose Body Shop. Welcome back. Past Ball Show, MTR Radio Network. Of course, this is John Pielli. And right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to play my interview from earlier today with uh, MLB Trade Rumors founder Tim Durkis and uh, I'm sorry Tim Durkis and of course he's done a great job with the uh, mobile app and everything so I'll let you guys hear that right now Tim how you doing buddy thanks for having a couple minutes today anytime man 
how this whole thing got started. MLB trade rumors, uh, the app, the whole thing. Uh, first, uh, what gave you the idea to get this thing going?
Xfinity gives you the best entertainment with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Switch to the Xfinity Triple Play from Comcast for $89.99 a month for 12 months with HBO free for three months. Plus, get $100 back. Xfinity, the future of awesome. Visit Comcast.com slash Xfinity today. All friends 321.13. Restrictions apply. Limited to the starter except triple play for new residential customers. After promo regular rates apply. Equipment, installation, taxes, and fees extra. Minimum two-year term agreement required. Xfinity gives you the best entertainment with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Switch to the Xfinity Triple Play from Comcast for $89.99 a month for 12 months with HBO free for three months. Plus, get $100 back. Xfinity, the future of awesome. Visit Comcast.com slash Xfinity today. All friends 321.13. Restrictions apply. Limited to the starter except Triple Play for new residential customers. After promo regular rates apply. Equipment, installation, taxes, and fees extra. Minimum two-year term agreement required the teams will get it going is this date in baseball history and i think uh you know i i enjoy this part of it because there's a lot of different things that that happen that don't really get a lot of recognition and you know we could talk about you know the the births and deaths of players and stuff like that and sometimes sometimes things happen that are interesting sometimes things happen that that probably aren't that interesting but what I, what I want to start out with is something that happened uh, in 1977. That was Lenny Randall, and Lenny Randall was a guest on my show. Phenomenal job, great guy, and you know, I obviously thank him for for giving me some time to interview him. But today was the day in 19 that actually went after uh, manager of the Rangers, Frank Lacazy, in a situation where I think Lacazy called him a punk or something. Randall ends up getting suspended for 30 games or 30 days, ends up getting traded to the Mets later on that month. And also on this day, 1986, the New York Yankees actually got involved in an important trade where the Yankees were not expecting to compete, which was kind of a surprise under George Steinbrenner. You know this guy was upset with everything that was going on, but he traded Don Baylor, who was a pretty good slugger, had a couple decent years for the Yankees, wasn't necessarily living up what they hoped, but they traded him to the Red Sox. And the Red Sox obviously end up that season going on to win the American League pennant and playing in a World Series against the New York Mets. And Baylor hit 31 home runs, drove in 94 runs for the Red Sox. So kind of ironic that it's the Yankees who make a trade of a star slugger for the Sox on this date in 1986. Uh, of course, a couple of days we lost a couple players. John, Johnny Evers from the, the great Chicago uh, Cub teams, known in that Tinker's Divers to Chance, uh, combination that's involved in a song, yada, 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 passed away on this day in 1947. And then Chuck, the, uh, the, the, the Philadelphia Ball Club, passing away on this date in 1958. And, but I do want to mention this one thing. In 1907, you had a manager of the Boston Americans, and of course they, they were known as the Pilgrims before that, later became known as the Red Sox, uh, a, a team that had won the ever World Series in 1903. And they they named uh, Chuck, Chuck St I'm sorry Chick Stahl as the manager towards the end of the 1906 season, and before the 1907 season starts on this date in 1907, Stahl commits suicide, and he ounces of carbonic acid and leaves a note for the Boston Red Sox players saying, "Boys, I just couldn't help it. You drove me to it." So how about that, man? You know, guy. You know, guy who was obviously a player manager. The Red Sox ended up having about three or four different managers, and obviously wrote, rise to a little more, a uh, little more prominence, winning the World Series in 1912, 1915, 16, and 18, and of course having that big drought until 2004. But you know, I think it's, a, it's kind of a little funny. But moving on, we're going to get into what I think is going to happen this season in Major League Baseball. We talked about the 30 to one MLB countdown. I, I, I've taken some heat for uh, having within 10 to 15 teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Seattle Mariners in my predictions, saying that they're going to finish with better records than 500. And obviously the teams from 15 to 20 were in the raise. They include the New York Yankees, teams that a lot of fans and a lot of people that cover the game of baseball have, have not lost track of and still believe that will happen. And, you know, moving forward, I think it's a spot where – you know, we, 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 we're talking about playoffs, essentially from 10 to 1. And I talked about some of my uh, picks 
in uh, wire for sports the hour before with Chris Speziali, and I had teams like the Indians and the Royals and the Braves and the Nationals as wild card teams. Uh, some people say, hey, the Royals aren't ready. The Indians aren't ready. The Braves are a logical pick. But the Nationals, listen, the Nationals are the best team in the National League. How can you go with the Nationals as just a wild card team? I do feel that the Phillies have one more season left. They have one more solid season left. And I do think that they're going to go out there and they have the ability to go out there and put things that they have, led by their pitching. I mean, they have as good of a threesome in the top of their rotation as anybody in baseball, assuming everybody's healthy. And you could start, start out with Roy Halladay, who's taken some criticism this offseason, in the spring training, maybe not looking his best, maybe not hitting his top velocity when it comes to his fastball, he getting hit up a little bit. Is he done? Is he going to reach, you know, potentially pitcher again for the Philadelphia Phillies? Yes, that's going to have a lot to do with things. That's going to have a lot to do with the thought of whether this team's going to be good or not. Is this team going to be that good? Uh, I think Halliday's going to have a lot of say in it. But they also have Cole Hamels and Cliff Lee. Cole Hamels had a phenomenal season last year for the Phillies. He, he was the ace of that staff. He was the best pitcher they had. But a guy that wasn't that far behind was Cliff Lee in spite of his 6-9 and nine record. And everybody points to that. Everybody points on to the one win that he had in essentially the first half of the season. But he pitched as well as Hamels. Just got ridiculous run support. Pitched to almost the same amount. And, and actually got the job done. He had one little stint where he was on the disabled list for a couple weeks. But other than that, he pitched well. And I think he could duplicate that coming into this year. And that, that with a healthy Ryan Howard and Chase Utley. And a lot of the moves that they made to address the concerns that they had, bringing up Michael Young, bringing in Delman Young, Ben Revere, they went out there and addressed the needs that they have showing that they want to kind of go for it. Maybe not necessarily one last season, but I think this season will say a lot with what the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be over the next several years. If this, if this team goes out there and wins the National they will. Then I think you can make a case, it's similarly to what I brought up earlier in this, this hour, that everybody's going to jump on their bandwagon again. Everybody's going to be like, hey, the Phillies are great, the Phillies are great. And obviously the only reason a team is great in the minds of a lot of these people is because they won the friggin' division last year. At this time last year, how could you top the Phillies? The Phillies have won five straight National League East titles. They are not going to be dethroned. Who's going to beat them? Washington, the Mets, Atlanta, Miami? Come on. What ended up happening? The Nationals ended up taking over. They won that division, and now all of a sudden they're unstoppable. They made some very good moves this offseason. They went out there and they got themselves Denard Spann. They got themselves Rafael Soriano, Dan Harron to all add to an already loaded team. And a team who won 98 games last year. Well, all these experts are going to say, because they won 98 games last year, how could they not be favored to win the division? Favorited to win the division. But it doesn't mean that they're going to. And I do see this National League East being a battle being a battle of some good teams. you got the Nationals, you got the Phillies, and don't forget about the Atlanta Braves, who are going to make this thing tough. And I see this division separated by four games as the season ended from first place. I could see the, the Braves winning 90 games. I could see the Nationals winning 92, and I see the Phillies winning 94. Now, obviously, a lot of people say the Nationals, they won 98 games last year. They're everybody's sweetheart this year. They made the right moves. How come they don't win like 160 games? Yes, that's, that's what you're back, the whole baseball prospectus thing, and want to say that's the only way that things are going to be. But I'll tell you, over, baseball is the longest season in professional sports, and so many different things change over the course of the season. And yes, the Nationals will need ab absolute misery. They will need the first case of luck for them to be in a position where they're not going to make the postseason. And I don't think that's going to be an issue. I don't think that's going to be anything that gets talked about or spoken about or even gets brought up. They're going to need a ton of injuries to be out of the playoff picture. But hear me out for a second. I think the Phillies right in there from day one to day 162. And in my opinion, it is going to be a toss-up, a flip of the coin over who ends up on top there. And it's going to have to do with a couple games within the division. You know, maybe the Mets or the Marlins have something to do with beating a team here and there to make this race a little more interesting. But in my opinion, you look at the ALE, competitive. And in my opinion, the only divisions that I think are going to be very competitive this season are the AL East and the NL East. But I think the top three teams in the National League East are going to be the biggest story this year, are going to be the most interesting story to follow from the first half of the season. 
pipeline through September and to the end. And I could see those teams being neck and neck and neck from day one to day 162. When you go over to the AL East, you got, in my opinion, five teams that are all going to compete. I do think, and some people disagree with me on this, I do think the Blue Jays are a little bit ahead. They're a ton, ton ahead. But when I did my predictions with the AL East, I got the Blue Jays winning 91 games, and then he got uh, the Orioles, Yankees, Red Sox, and Rays in that order. He said, hey, how could you bet against the Tampa Bay Rays? I think the Tampa Bay Rays are the best. They're going to win that division. They may very but I separated teams two through five in the division by just a game apiece. I had the Orioles in second winning, I believe, 83 games. I had the, the Yankees in third place winning 82 games. And, yes, that's the Yankees finishing 82 and 80. That's what I see the Yankees doing this year with the injuries and all the going 81 and 81 will be the Boston Red Sox. And the Boston Red Sox came off a season that could not have gone any worse for them. It really couldn't have. But it went out there and it changed for the better with the offseason moves that they made. They made a series of moves that addressed a lot of issues that they have with the team. Competitive. I do have some doubts about John Farrell as the manager. I don't think he, I, I'm not totally sold on John Farrell as a manager. But I do think that this team will do a good job. And I think, I think we're talking about a situation where the Red Sox kept, and I, I just don't look at it as the silliest thing in the world. And, and, you know, we get it, we get into this, we talk about this before, but, you know, in my opinion, this is a spot where, you know, teams sometimes don't perform as good or as bad as people think. You know, we get into this, we've talked about it before, but this team or that team or the other team that has high expectations. No, I don't think anybody would have said that the Boston Red Sox were going to go out there and lose 93 games this year. You know, conversely, I don't think people are going to go out there and say that they believed that wholeheartedly the Baltimore Orioles were going to win 93 games this past season. Don't turn out that way. But I do see the Red Sox giving a very competitive team, particularly in their starting rotation. There are some questions about Ryan Dempster pitching in the American League. And I think he, he had a little bit of issues in Texas despite the win total last season. Prior to that, his whole career was in the National League. pitching, But he did pitch who have a very up-and-down ballpark in Wrigley Field where the ball carries sometimes. Sometimes it's very tough to pitch it, but he managed to pitch very well. So yeah. Ryan Dempster is going to be a wild card. He's going to be a guy that's either going to help them get better or he's going to be a detriment in this team kind of than I think. But they do got guys like Clay Buckholz and John Lester, and John Lester has a lot to prove. John Lester's coming off of a terrible season last year, 14 losses, very high ERA, un-Lester-like. He needs to go out there and get the job done this season. And he's going to have a factor in his team's success or failure. Clay Buck, and I do think that they have a decent rotation. John Lackey's coming off of Tommy John surgery. We're going to see what kind of factor or what kind of uh, influence that he has on his team. And I think those are all interesting things to look at. And it has to, it has to be looked at to a point where I think they have enough offensively. I'm not a signing of Shane Victorino. I don't think Shane Victorino is going to be anywhere near what he was about four or five years ago. But he's a useful player. He's a guy that's going to get some hits. He's going to play some defense. He's going to play a role on his team. You know, the, I think they have a chance, whether they do or they don't, to break here this year. And here's a guy who I think is going to be better than even Jacoby Ellsbury in his best season a couple of years ago. But, you know, looking at Bradley, if he comes up early, maybe he could be the Mike Trout of this season. And I think that's something that has to be looked at. You look at a lot of the moves, whether it's David Ross, Johnny Gomes, Stephen Drew. Uh, Koji Uhara, guys that they brought in. They didn't go out in to mega contracts. They brought in a bunch of guys that are useful players that could help out. And I do think it's a little similar to what the Philadelphia Phillies did. Yes, they had more players to add because they had more needs, and they also had a little more money to work with than the Philadelphia Phillies. But what they did that was very similar is they used their offseason and everything they had to address a bunch of needs instead of going all out, bringing in the high-paid a uh, big star player to address one need. And that's why I see the Red Sox finishing 500 this year. Right behind them, just a game behind, I'm not going to go too crazy with it, is the Tampa Bay Rays, who I, who I think will be 80 and 82 or 70. I just don't think that they have enough offensively. I don't think Will Myers is going to come up there and contribute at the major league level and hit 37 home runs like he did in the minor leagues last year for Kansas City Royals organization. 
And I just think that they brought in a lot of journeyman type of players. They lost B.J. Upton. They lost Carl Yeah, Yes, he has the sub-200 batting average, but he hit some bombs. I don't think they're going to be able to replace either one of those guys with the journeyman players that they brought in. James Loney is a guy that, listen, if he turns his career around, could turn out to be a good signing. But he looks like a journeyman player. Kelly Johnson is a journeyman type of He has not been able to figure things out. And I think it has to be looked at seriously. And you say, why is this going on like this? But Yanel Escobar is a guy that, you know, listen, maybe someday he'll be that player the Atlanta Braves thought he would be about five years ago. But he hasn't become that. He, Luke Scott you know, did, a, did a terrible job last year as the DH for the Rays. Are you going to really expect that guy to be a four, five, or six hitter and produce a lot of runs? This is an offensive team that's essentially run by Ben Zobrist and Evan Longoria, and there's a huge fall-off after that. And I think you look at the good pitching, which I've said exists in the American League East, the Rays are going to have some hard time pitching. And they have a lot of very good pitching themselves. Their bullpen with Fernando Rodney. Rodney had the greatest season they could imagine having as a closer. Maybe outside of Dennis Eckersley's 1990, the .6 ERA, the whole thing. But he, is he really going to duplicate that? Johnson to duplicate that in Baltimore? No. Closers, unless you're Mariano Rivera or Craig Kimbrell, who I guess will be the closest contemporary over the last couple seasons, closers are not going to perform at that level. They're not going to perform to a sub-one ERA year in and year out. Rick benefited immensely for what Rodney did last year, as dominant as he was in the back of that bullpen. And it obviously came out of nowhere. But listen, he deserves all the credit for it, but you cannot expect him to go out there and duplicate that again in the 2013 season. And I just got issues. I like their starting rotation. I mean, how can you not like David Price and Matt Moore and Jeremy Hellickson and Alex Cobb and Jeff Neiman and uh, Jake Odorisi? A lot of good young pitchers that they have that could all go out there and win maybe 10 to 15 games. Obviously, Price more like 20 to hold this team back, and I think when you're talking about starting rotations being borderline equal, and I think if you're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, if you're talking about even the New York Yankees with a healthy, a healthy Phil Hughes, the rotations are similar because they all have an ace, and they all have two, three, maybe even four very good starting pitchers after that. So if starting rotations are equal, what's going to be the tiebreaker? The bullpen and the offense. And I can't see Rodney going out there repeating his season of 2012. And offensively, I just don't think they have enough. They have financial reasons that they let Carlos Pena and, of course, B.J. Upton go. They weren't going to pay the five years and $75 million that the Atlanta Braves gave them. I understand that. I know why. But the problem that I have is what did they do to replace that? Desmond Jennings moving over to center field was good. Moving over from the infield to right field. And you got an outfield of Zobrist and Jennings and Matt Joyce, which is good. They're all they're all players that contributed last year, but not at the level of B.J. Upton. And I understand B.J. Upton gives you a lot of strikeouts. He gives you a lower batting average. He's been a prospect for a couple of years. He has yet to really hit at that level. Does he do it this year? Listen, it's going to have a major. It's going to be a major factor in how good the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be. But Matt Joyce has never really become what he was expected to when he was traded from the Detroit Tigers. Uh, you look at Zobris is going to help you somewhere. And Ben Zobris, outside Evan Longoria, is the best offensive player on this team. Longoria and Zobris are the Tampa Bay Rays offense. No matter where you put Zobris, he's going to produce. He'll hit about 250, 260. He'll hit you about 20, 25 home runs. He's become a better hitter. And he's a guy that's one of your focal points of your offense wherever he's playing. But what do you do with the other spots? Kelly Johnson has not hit for an average over the last couple seasons. He wore out his welcome in Arizona. Toronto wasn't that excited about him last year. You know, what's he going to do for Tampa Bay playing second base? Remember, he's not the greatest defense. And Escobar is another question. James Loney is another question. Jose Molina is your catcher. Come on. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to rain on anybody's parade that's going out there predicting the Tampa Bay Rays to win the AL East and maybe the pennant. But I just don't think is up there with the top teams in the American League. And I told you, I named five teams that I think are better than them. The three division winners, which I told you are going to be Toronto and Detroit and Los Angeles. 
and the two wildcard teams, which I think are going to be Kansas City and Cleveland. But I could also name other teams, Tampa Bay Rays. I think the Yankees are. I think the Red Sox are. I think the Orioles are. I think the Seattle Mariners are. And I think the Texas Rangers are. And you, you call me crazy. We'll see how it turns out. I mean, there's a lot There's a lot more going on. We're going to figure it out pretty soon. Opening day is coming up. And we got six months. Whether I'm right or you're right. Or baseball prospectus is right. And I'll tell you one thing that happens every year. And I don't mean to knock these guys because they, they do a lot of research. They're all in the sabermetrics. They're, they understand everything that's going on. They predict the win totals. They're usually on target with a lot of the stuff. But they're not right with everything. Why me or you or the next guy can go out there and kind of give an opinion, a different opinion maybe. Maybe, maybe it's the same. Maybe we all agree that the Washington Nationals are as good as they are. Maybe we all agree that the Detroit Tigers are what everybody says they're going to be. Maybe we're all maybe. And how often are we right? It doesn't happen too often, I'll tell you. You know, the World Series that I predicted last year didn't happen. The one that I predict this year, who knows? Are the Reds and Angels going to meet in the World Series? Well, listen, first they got to make the playoffs, right? You know, can the Cardinals take the, the World We'll see. Is this the year of the Pirates? Are the Pirates going to finally get over 500 for the first time since their last playoff appearance in 1992? What about the Brewers? I don't know. And, uh, you know, we, we were just hearing some uh, unfortunate news right now. This just an MRI taken by uh, Johan Santana is uh, unfortunately uh, very uh, devastating news for the New York Mets. And that's uh, Johan Santana, a uh, MRI revealing a uh, a re-tear of a uh, ligament, I believe his elbow or shoulder that was just operated on. And if it requires surgery, it's going to end his entire season. So that's where you go. Met News, never any good when it comes to injuries. And obviously the MRIs that they, they give all their players seems to never come out with a good result. Unfortunate to hear that about Johan, and I've, I've said before, I've been a Johan Santana supporter. I, I, I like him as, not only as a, as a player, but as a person. I think he handles himself well here. He's a guy that I want to root for, and you know, hopefully there's something that could be done here if he can somehow avoid surgery. Terrible, terrible news involving the New York Mets and Johan Santana. So, yeah, I hate to break that. That kind of took my mood out for a little bit. But let me just finish up with these uh, these predictions. I told you my, of my teams, the NL. I told you about the Phillies that have won in the NL East. I told you about the Reds in the Central. The Dodgers, uh, the question may be, what about the San Francisco Giants, the defending World Series champions? They got, you know, top manager Bruce Bochy. They got the pitching. Uh, they, they, they did a phenomenal job last year. And, yes, they deserve every last bit of credit for what they did last year. They got the job done. They were phenomenal. They were good. Listen, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying this team's going to go out there and win 70 games. This team's going to lose a, a pennant race when it comes to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who I do think are deeper. You get a healthy Zach Greinke to go there with Clayton Kershaw. Josh Beckett, I think, will bounce back. And you talk about all the starting pitchers that they have with the Los Angeles starting pitching. Their bullpen's better. Brandon League, I think, is going to have a good year. They got, you know, J.P. Howell and other guys in that bullpen. They're going to get the job done. I see the Dodgers winning it this year. And I know everybody has questions about the chemistry of the Los Angeles Dodgers with all the players that they put together. They did last year. It didn't work out. Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, you know, guys like that who come over with, you know, in that big trade with the Boston Red Sox. Did they deter the team from making a run at the postseason last year? And my, my answer to that is no. They lost it. Now, listen, if they go out there and they finish 500 this year, you, number one, the first person that's going to be held accountable for this is Don Manningly. Don Manningly has not, in my opinion, um, established himself as a solid manager. He's done a good job. I don't think he's done a terrible job. But he also hasn't stood out that he's done a great job. If he finishes 500 with this group of players, he deserves to lose his job. And I do think you will bring some questions to the chemistry of the team. Uh, you know, Ned Coletti, Magic Johnson, Stan Cast, and the whole thing. Uh, maybe they made some moves that, that didn't, didn't work. Houston win in the NL West. They'll beat the Giants. The Giants are the second team in the division. I see the Padres, Diamondbacks, and Rockies in that order. And you say, oh, my God, how could you not pick the Diamondbacks? They're another sweetheart team that everybody has belief in. I just don't. Th I just think the loss of Justin Upton, they're going to pay for 
Cody Ross is not Justin Upton. Cody Ross is not Justin Upton over last year, let alone two years ago. And I do think that they have some very good pitching. I like their bullpen. I like their starting rotation. I just find themselves falling a little short. And the one team that I do have some belief in and I think will surprise this year, and I've said it before, I think the San Diego Padres are going to go out there. They're going to pitch a little better than anticipated. Chase Headley has established himself as a leader on that team. And you look at it like that, I think that they will get some surprises. Jed Gorko is going to come up, whether he starts the season on the team or ends up joining midseason, is going to be the rookie of the year. So listen, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks a lot to Jason Bergman, to Jose Guzman, Tim Durkis, and everybody here at the MTR Radio Network. Uh, we'll definitely uh, have to tune in next week when we talk about the beginning of the season of Major League Baseball right here on EMTR Radio Network.